When it comes to our story, we're often so preoccupied with telling it and spreading it and getting the word out about the awesome things we're working on or that we've experienced that could help somebody else. But we often don't take the moment to do the important step before that. A lot of people come to me and ask me, how do I get heard? How do I get people to listen to me? How do I, you know, reach my target audience and all that jazz? And as a storytelling expert, my first question is, well, what's the story you want to tell? And often the answer is very much caught up in the work that they're doing. But that's not how we connect with people. We connect with people over shared human experiences. So today, I wanted to give you a little leg up by sharing how you can find and own your story. And that second step is also super important, so stay tuned to find out how. Be authentic. Go off the beaten path. Define what success looks like for you. That all sounds awesome sauce, doesn't it? But what does working and living on your own terms actually look like in practice? The Leading Rebels podcast is here to offer some answers. Every two weeks, you'll hear inspiring interviews with baddest women walking the talk and my own actionable advice to help you find, own, and tell your story. I'm your host, Catherine Dell, a storyteller, founder, and book nerd that's passionate about amplifying women's voices. Now let's dive into today's episode so you can become a leading rebel in your life. Okay, so let's start with finding your story. Some of you might already have a gazillion examples from your work, from your private life. They think like, oh, I can share that. I'm the life of the party. Anytime anybody ever asks you to share something, I got something to tell. Most of you, however, don't feel that way. You might think, oh, I don't have anything interesting to say. There's nothing really special about me or my experience. Why would anybody care to listen to me? And one of the things I really, really strongly believe in is that everybody has something valuable to say. It's just about finding your story. So here's some ways that you can do just that. And don't worry, you don't have to jot along. I created a super handy worksheet at leadingrebels.com slash 33. That's leadingrebels.com slash 33, where I have all the questions for you to fill out and really find and own your story. So for now, just sit back and relax or do the dishes or bike or whatever you're up to right now and just kind of let your thoughts drift as I give you these inputs and of course I will also share examples from my experience how that's helped me to paint the picture. So first important step how do you find your story? I have four inputs that could be helpful with this. So the easiest and most people think about this is so what are your values and passions? So what could you talk about for hours with friends? If somebody asks you what are non-negotiables in your life, you could list a couple of values that could be like trusting or compassion or transparency, whatever it may be. But I want you to go a step beyond that. Not just what are your values and passions, but what's the story behind them? Why are you passionate about these topics? Why are these values so tantamount for you in your life? One of those examples for me is books. <laughs> so anybody who's ever heard me speak lately or in general or knows me in my life knows I'm a total book nerd. 
And for the longest time, that was definitely something I just identified with. It's like, yeah, I'm a reader. I love books. Book nerd here for sure. In middle school, I actually got dubbed Hermione because I always had uh, my nose in a book. And yes, okay, I also had frizzy curly hair and glasses and that could have all helped. But mostly it was about reading all the time. And no, luckily they were not bullying me. So it's all good. But I didn't really take the time to figure out why did I love books so much? Why was it a book nerd? Until I like sat down and thought about this and I realized that moving around so much, um, <laughs> anybody's listened to me for more than five minutes know this by now, but uh, max every five years uh, we moved. So there was a lot of change in my life. And for me in the beginning, especially I used to read mostly fantasy books. Books were still weirdly enough a constant. So that was the same wherever I went and the stories always came with me. And from a young age on, my parents always gifted me books. So in every country, I always knew that this was one thing I could retreat into and find safety in. So that's what made me a book nerd. For me, like books are like safe and home. And that's a much stronger story than just saying, yeah, I like reading. I'm a book nerd. So really dive into looking at your values and passions. First, just do like a brain dump, write down what comes to mind, then pick the ones that are seem the most important to you and explore what is the story behind them that you could tell. Number two, looking at past achievements. Now, this might be difficult for some of us because you might think, oh, I haven't really achieved much or you're uncomfortable boasting or anything like that. But I really want to challenge you to embrace what you've done well. And if you can't find that out by yourself, look at what other people have praised you for, or what other people would say is amazing that you've accomplished. And again, here, kind of do a brain dump, write everything down, but then look beyond that. Again, <laughs> I know you're sensing a theme here. What brought you there? So how did you achieve those things? Not just, hey, I got this big promotion, but how did you get that promotion? What traits and characters about you? What did you do in your work? What was different that got you there? For me, one of those examples was definitely when I moved to Berlin. But since I've already told that story <laughs> in the trailer, so make sure to just tune into season three in the trailer and you'll hear all about my big move to Berlin. I wanted to share something else which came to mind, which was when I was in New York, I was working there for a year and I glanced over this in the trailer, but I wanted to dive into it more deeper now. My one year stint was, you know, coming to an end and everybody I talked to was like, it's super difficult to stay in the U.S. if you're not, you know, American and don't have, you know, you're not married or have some other way to stay. Because on the one hand, a company has to sponsor you. So they not just only have to want to hire you, but they actually have to do loads of paperwork and pay, I think, what, $8,000 or something like that to apply for a visa for you to stay. Not only that, it's not a promise. So they can apply for it. But there's so many people that qualify for this special type of visa that it's a lottery. So not only are you asking a company to invest loads of money into you, you're also saying, hey, it's a gamble and maybe we won't get it and you will not get that money back and you will also not have me as an employee. So overall, not exactly winning arguments to want to hire somebody. So I was in New York. I wanted to stay in the U.S. and... This was the situation. I was looking around, I was researching, and everybody was like, it's pretty much impossible. I was part of a huge group of students that were also doing work study, and none of them were even trying, or at least very few, because they said pretty much no can do. There's one thing, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to cut ahead here 
And as you can guess, the end of the story is that I was able to convince my company that I was working at to want to sponsor me. But it's not so much about just like, hey, I made this happen. But I was thinking, how did that actually happen? And it was two things. One, I don't really believe and it's not possible, especially if clearly people have made it happen. I understand things like it's unlikely and it's difficult, but that doesn't mean impossible. And I will try. (laughs) And the second thing was, how did I try? And I actually realized that the human factor in asking for help was the biggest marker for success. So I could have just gone out and like apply to any open position anywhere and been like, hey, hire me. (laughs) But that's a lot trickier to do. So what I did count on is like I did a good year of work and I got in touch with everybody that I, you know, had good relationships with. And I was like very transparent about it. I was like, hey, my year here is coming to an end. I think I've done good work. I talked to my boss about giving me a recommendation. Do you know anything anywhere that uh, would be a good fit for me? And that's actually how I got introduced to another department in the company. And they talked to me, they talked to my boss, who was super supportive throughout all this. And that's how they decided to make me the offer. And I realized these two things about this like resilience to not give up just because something is difficult and asking for help and trusting in humans or, you know, nourishing human relationships are two of the biggest things that made that possible. And actually, it's not even such a win because they wanted to hire me. We applied in the worst case scenario of the visa not being approved in this lottery system happened. So still, though, for me, that was a huge win because I got so far ahead in the process where everybody would have said before to give up. So wrapping this up, look at your past achievements. Look at things you're proud of doing that maybe were difficult or challenging. And not just look at, hey, I achieved this, but what parts of your personality made that possible? Like, who are you in this story? Then a third way how you can find your story, which I love, is asking family, friends, colleagues, clients what their favorite stories are of you. And an example I like to give, which because that kickstarts people's thoughts, are one of it's you're looking for personal stories. So what would they say as a toast at your wedding? (laughs) What are the stories that they would put out as a crowd pleaser that would kind of be like, oh, that is so cat that is so you know sarah paul whatever your name might be and that would be for them so iconically you ask them what are those stories if you're looking for something professional asking colleagues and clients um what would they write or toast you at a promotion so if you had a huge success or landed a big client or something else what is it that they would tell like oh i already knew cat would be a success back when x and get them to share their stories with you we often forget the things we achieve because we think, oh yeah, that's just normal. And other people are much better at reminding us like, no, that was pretty special. In my case, I actually did that test <laughs> with family and friends, I think a year back or something, where as part of a, a course, a project, I got challenged to ask them what their main attributes are that they connect with me. And I actually asked a broad range of people, both colleagues and family and friends. And there was two things that got repeated. And I found it super interesting that both of them got repeated that made me want to explore the story behind that. So the two things were that I was a quick learner, that I liked studying, that I liked doing new things, that I liked figuring it out and making it happen. And the other one, which kind of felt like a contradiction, was that I was emotionally intelligent and I connected with people and I could read between the lines. And I was like, 
well, one of them like sounds studious and the other one sounds, you know, like people skills. I'm not entirely sure how these match up. Not that I wasn't very flattered. (laughs) I was, of course. But it did make me think about where does that come from? And it made me realize it has a lot to do with me moving a lot, not just as a kid, but I kept moving as an adult, switching jobs, switching cities. And that created, I would say the unifying skill is adaptability, meaning I was always thrust in new situations. So I had to be a quick learner and figure out how things worked. And everything we do, both at work and personally, is with people. So it's not just about, you know, figuring out the new software. It's also figuring out how does this new culture work? How do I connect with new colleagues and friends and so on? So those two things actually were not as contradictory as I thought. But I had to like sit down and figure out the story to see that. So definitely do a little survey. Ask your friends and family. They can write you. They can email you. You can talk to them and, you know, get input from them and then figure out what is being repeated very often and can you you know tell why and what's the story and then my final tip and how you can find your story of course there's a million more (laughs) is to take some online personality tests I know this sounds some people might be rolling their eyes some people might say I know which Disney character and which I don't know (laughs) Avengers movie icon I am I have taken every test there could possibly be (laughs) so I know there's both camps here but if it's something you've both of you've given it a try, and if you have already done all of them, here again, see if that sparks stories for you. Not just like, oh, yeah, cool, I identify that as part of my personality, or I totally don't, also happens often enough, but see if something does resonate, why? And one of my examples here was I took the Mayor Briggs test, which some of you might know, it's kind of those acronyms that you get, like INFGP, whatever, that's actually, I don't think mine, but I just threw some letters around there. It if not, it's just a personality test. You can take it online for free. I think it's also called 11 personalities. Might be right. I will link in the bio and it will be all correct there. So for me, what came out was the campaigner. So somebody who likes spreading a message and, you know, rallying people around a cause. And for me, that actually explained my career in marketing because I studied journalism. So I could have also very much just gone into a journalism career. I was actually also pretty decent at writing articles and all that jazz. So that definitely was an option. But weirdly enough, I didn't consider it. I like almost immediately went into marketing after uh, university. And that for me now kind of explained like, yeah, I like uniting people behind a message. Not that you can't do that as a journalist also, but it kind of fit my trajectory. And also, let's be honest, one of the other things that said was that we're more big picture, not so much details and small things and the daily things you have to do repetitive are not our strength. Yeah, definitely also identify with that. (laughs) So here again, take some online personality tests, Meyer Briggs, the Gallup Strengths Finder. There's a bunch out there. Find one that jams with you. Spend some time in doing it and seeing if you can find some stories behind those. So I hope these four ways that you can find your story or stories better said made sense for you. Just to repeat them again, they are what are your values and passions and what's the story behind them? What have been your past achievements and what brought you there? Asking family, friends, colleagues, clients what their favorite stories of you are. What would they toast at your promotion or your wedding? And finally, taking some online personality tests and exploring what those spark for you and what stories are behind those traits. So again, you don't need to jot this all down. It will be in the worksheet. But I hope these kind of got you thinking about what you could 
create your story out of. Did you know that email is still queen? <laughs> yes, I did that on purpose. But kidding aside, email is still the best medium to reach your audience. It gets more clicks and opens and engagements than social media, though I love me some Instagram. It still is the best medium to connect with your people. So if you want to focus on telling your story and connecting with your audience, then I've got a great offer for you. ConvertKit is an email marketing software for creators that lets you focus on personal connection and not all the tech behind that. So they will have awesome automations where you can create personal touch points at different points of somebody's journey. If you, for example, sign up for the Leading Rebels newsletter, you will have seen a little sequence of emails go out. That's all thanks to ConvertKit. And through my link, which you can access at leadingrebels.com convertkit, you will have the chance to take a free trial. So you can just test it out, see if it works, and sure you'll fall in love like I did. Again, that's leadingrebels.com slash convertkit. Convertkit is spelled C-O-N-V-E-R-T-K-I-T. Now onto the second part, which I feel people especially forget and is so important. It's how to own your story. So we talked about this in last episode a lot with Elizabeth Ippo. If you haven't tuned into that, you definitely should. Again, I will include the link in the show notes. And it's often easier, I'm going to say easier, not always easy, but easier to share our story when it's been an achievement or something we actively did or led or so on. But when there are stories that maybe we didn't have as much agency in or maybe don't feel as positive for us, owning them can be tricky. But here again, I'm going to say I just said easier, not easy, because sometimes achievements are also tricky. Sometimes we feel like we're boasting. And we're being self-grandiose when we share things about ourselves. And that's totally normal. I'll be totally honest. All those examples I just gave you about how to find your story with my examples felt super self-indulgent. It felt like, oh, this chick just wants to talk about herself. Welcome to the podcast. And that, you know, makes us feel vulnerable and also not super happy. So it's also difficult for me. And I'm going to say in quotation marks, it's my job. So this is why owning your story is so important, because if you haven't internalized before you tell it and spread it, that it's yours and that you are proud of it and that you form the narrative, then you are not going to be convincing people when you share it and they're not going to click with you because they're going to feel like something's wrong. I might have had that undercurrent of I'm feeling self-indulgent sharing all these things about me, but I also put myself in your shoes and I hope this is true for you. But for me, when I hear somebody give examples of something they're giving you as suggestions, that's so much more helpful for me to be able to imagine what I would answer and how I could find those things in my own life. So I try to be like, no, this is not self-indulgent. You're being helpful. (laughs) But if I didn't do that work before I hit record, then I would be super unsure and my stories would not sound super convincing and I would probably not connect with you as well as I'm hoping that I am. (laughs) So ownership, I think we can agree, important. So how do you actually do that? I've got three ways that I suggest you do this. One way is actually inspired by Elizabeth. So again, (laughs) tune into her episode. And she had this situation where she got deported from the US and banned. And 
she kind of got branded a criminal. She even had to spend a night in prison. So she was really struggling with this story. And something that she shared that her lawyer did, which was super helpful for her, is he wrote about her. So in a letter as part of the case, he wrote her story from the point of view of somebody that thought she was amazing. He listed all her successes and how she's this incredible human and what they were accusing her of, I'm going to say, of trying to illegally teach something was not something she needed at all because she was successful in other things and had no need to be doing something like that. And she said for her, that was super cathartic. So as I'm sure, I'm not suggesting you get a lawyer to write a story about you. No, but I think writing about your situation like your best friend or your boss that's your champion or somebody that's really in your corner would write about you is super helpful for us to take that step back and not see our own personal shortcomings or so or see the negative as much in that than if we write from the perspective of somebody that is our champion and wants us to shine in the best light possible. So that's my first tip. Write about a situation that you may be struggling about owning from the perspective of somebody that's in your corner. Then the next part is looking at what part of your story you had agency in. So as I mentioned, one thing that can be tricky is when things happen to you, (laughs) not because of you. And then we often feel like we don't love this story and don't own the story, even if it might be something that we want to or have to share. And this is something I really had to learn as well. So if you've been listening to the podcast and or maybe heard me speak recently or anything like that, you might be like, oh yeah, Kat, she's super confident in the fact that she grew up all over the place and that's like such a part of her personality and all good with that story, right? Well, the truth is I wasn't for a very long time. Not that I saw it as a negative. It definitely wasn't a negative for me. Some people have asked me that like, oh, wasn't it difficult? And I can honestly say that for me, it was a positive experience. So no, I don't have negative issues with the amount that I moved as a kid. But it did feel very often when the topic came up, I would get awkward and avoid it and try to finagle my way out of it because I felt like I was being self-indulgent or like pretending I was something oh so awesome when people ask like, where did you grow up? And I'm like, everywhere. (laughs) I tried to not have to tell the whole story. I just said, oh, different places. Or I usually tried to stick to where my parents are from to end the conversation. And it took me a minute to figure out one that this was not good. Because it is a huge part of my life and my story and my personality and giving 18 years of my life just complete ownership to my parents and be like, oh, this is something that happened because of them. I had, you know, nothing to say in this and it doesn't have an impact or it's not that special. That was just giving away my story. So I decided, one, I need to reclaim that. And two, the way I did that is I looked at, okay, was I really so passive in all of this? And once I examined it, I realized I wasn't. When I was 13, my dad actually asked me if I wanted to move to the U.S. Truth be told, I don't know what would have happened if I said no. (laughs) But the thing is that I actively said yes. So we did that move. And when we were in the U.S., I actively wanted to change schools because I decided I wanted to go to the high school and study in the U.S. or better said, study in English. And those things are kind of reclaiming the ownership of those stories as things that didn't happen to me, that sure, maybe I didn't have a 100% say so, but it did have a pretty big part in it as well. And even if 
you maybe couldn't move the whole story. You could say, is there maybe a small part or something in it that you did have agency in? It can also just be your reaction. How did you react? How did you say something? How did you do something after something happened? Examine your stories that you have trouble owning from that lens. And then finally, (laughs) this is going to sound the most cuckoo one, but I swear this one is scientifically supported. If there is really a story that you're struggling to own, practice telling it in front of the mirror, ideally in the third person. I know (laughs) most of you are going to cringe at this and say, I don't want to look like a crazy person. Just imagine, you know, your partner walking in while you're in the bathroom saying, cat is doing this amazing project. And it's funny how I switched to British when I'm trying to be presumptuous. I don't know where that came from. But hear me out. The thing is this, eliism, I don't think anybody can pronounce that word, which is talking about yourself in the third person. Studies have actually shown that, for example, people who've had traumatic events, if they talk about them in the third person, they tend to regard themselves through much more compassionate eyes much more forgiving, much more understanding of what happened. And I think this is similar to the first part that I shared about writing a letter about yourself in the third person. But actually saying it out loud and looking at yourself while you say it has such a stronger impact. So if you're up for it, (laughs) take that letter you wrote and try telling yourself those words or at least telling you some sentences or telling yourself why you own that story or what agency you had or what things you did in that story that were awesome and great. And yes, you're going to sound a little cuckoo and it's going to look a little crazy, but embrace it and give it a try. So I hope these three ways that you can own your stories help. So just to wrap it up, that was writing about your situation like your best friend, your favorite boss, your champion would write it about you. Another one is looking at what part of the story you had agency in. What part did you control and did you actively take part in? And then the final one, practice in front of the mirror in the third person and try telling yourself that story to really imbue the positive aspects of it. So I hope these two things on how to find your story and how to own it will help you. Stories are how we connect with each other, whether you're preparing a big presentation, need to pitch to a client, or just at the bar tomorrow night. Having something that you can share with others that you feel confident in, that feels important to you, and that transmits who you are is how you're going to build more relationships and have a bigger impact, be it in your job or in your personal life. It doesn't even matter if it's just one person that connects with you that way. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? (laughs) Just having one person you could connect with. And in that sense, I hope I connected with you in this episode and you didn't think I was too cuckoo. And if you want to do the exercises, as mentioned at the beginning, head to leadingrebels.com slash 33 and grab the worksheet from there. On the next solo episode, I'm actually going to be taking the next step and actually sharing how to tell and spread your story. So make sure you do this work on figuring out what your stories are and owning them in the meantime, so that by next episode that I talk to you one-on-one, you will be able to apply that learning and actually get your stories out there. I look forward to seeing you then. Bye. Love today's episode? Spread the love. 
Screenshot today's episode and share that you're tuning in on social media to inspire more women to be a leading rebel in their life. And make sure to tag me so I can send you a personal thank you. All the Leading Rebel social media links are in the show notes. Until next time.